Well, as Pastor was saying uh, earlier, uh, this has been our prayer week and our focus on prayer. And I hope that you have been using the prayer guide this week and kind of growing in prayer as we begin this year. And my prayer is that you continue to pray. You know, January is the month of good intentions. And so everybody wants to say they're going to start the new year in a new way and they're going to get involved in things and get fit and take diets and do all this kind of stuff. And some of the things to do is we can talk about prayer and say, I'm going to jump into this year and make prayer a major goal, a major focus of everything I do. And sometimes we have to stay with it. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about prayer and the importance of prayer. You know, Jesus himself, God in flesh, prayed. Think about that for a moment. Jesus himself was a person of immense prayer. From the 40 days of prayer at the beginning of his ministry to the final night before his death, he prayed. And when you think about how he prayed, when, when we pray, very often, it's with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. That's actually not the normal posture for prayer in the Bible. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's not what characters in Scripture usually did when they prayed. Uh, a friend of mine says that it's mostly uh, this idea of heads bowed, eyes closed is invented by Victorian Sunday school teachers to make antsy little kids settle down. That's how it started. When Jesus prayed, for instance, for his friend Lazarus, we're told that Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. In his last great prayer with his disciples, the text says, Jesus lifted his eyes toward heaven and prayed. I think Jesus often looked up physically when he prayed because in prayer, we focus on God's power. And God's presence. And God's goodness. Because here's the choice that we're faced with over and over by prayer. I can live without God. I can look down at the size of my problems. My smallness of my ability. My uncertainty about tomorrow. My fears. My anxiety. Or I can look up. At the size of my God, at the greatness of his sufficiency, at the promise that he holds tomorrow in the palm of his hand, at the offer he gives me of don't fear, I am with you. In prayer, I remember that I can't, but he can. I can't, but he can. So I just want to ask, if any of you this morning have made excuses for avoiding prayer, there's lots of excuses. I've heard them all. Here's just a few I wrote down. I don't have time to pray. I don't know how to pray. I tried before and didn't get what I wanted, so I don't think it works. I'm not sure there is a God. I think there is a God, but I don't think he's involved with my little life. My mind wonders when I pray. If I try a formula for prayer, it feels contrived. If I freestyle, it feels confusing. I'm not spiritual enough. 
I'm too cynical. I'm too tired. I fall asleep when I pray. I'm afraid if I pray, God would make me change things I don't want to change. Other people seem to hear God when they pray, and I don't hear him. If God already knows everything, my prayers wouldn't change anything, so I don't know why I should bother. I did something really bad last night, so I am in spiritual timeout today. I'm too extroverted. I'm too introverted. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And it's amazing how we can rationalize prayerlessness. And there are lots of uh, kinds of prayers. There are prayers for outcomes or circumstances such as health and finances and job or relationships. And it's not wrong to talk to God about those things. But sometimes those kind of prayers are just trying or is just me trying to run the show. And when I don't get the answer I want for the circumstance, I feel like it didn't work. Prayer just doesn't work. I didn't get what I wanted. So it's important to remember that prayer is not the use of a force. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is a conversation with a person. If I flip a switch and the light goes on, it works. But if I flip a switch and the light doesn't go on, it didn't work. If I turn the key in the ignition and the car didn't start, it didn't work. But if I talk to a person, for instance, if I talk to my wife and I say, you know, Heather, in addition to your full-time job, I'd like for you to be at my beck and call. I need you to fix breakfast for me in the morning. I need you to massage my feet at night. I need you to iron my shirts, polish my shoes, draw my bath, wash the car. And if all those things don't happen, does that mean talking to my wife doesn't work? No. It means I've got other issues. All right? And the same is with prayer. Prayer is not casting a spell. It's not magic. Prayer is talking with God. And of course, God knows way more than me. Part of faith means trusting that if you knew what God knows, and you loved like God loves, and you saw what God sees, you would do what God does. Which is why when we pray, we pray, God, give me knowledge of your will and the power to carry that out. Jesus himself prayed, Father, your will be done. Jesus prayed that himself. Now, there's a wonderful invitation to prayer that was read earlier in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I want to read that again. The writer says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, when is our time of need? Well, how often do you need something from God 
to live well. How many moments of your life would go better if you were receiving wisdom and peace and guidance and gratitude and and learning and love from God? And of course, the answer is all the time. In every moment, approaching God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And that's every moment of our lives, which means I can choose a prayerful life. I can either look up or I can look down. So start every day with prayer. And it doesn't have to be long. In fact, the scripture writer says, God's mercies are new every morning. So begin every day with prayer. Now there's a problem for some of us. Some of you are morning people. Some of you are not. You wake up grumpy and groggy and quite unsanctified in the morning. And nobody wants to be around you till you've had your coffee. Even Jesus doesn't want to be around you till you've had your coffee. So start with coffee. Literally, for God's sake, start with coffee. And then find a place to pray for a few moments where you won't be interrupted. If you have small children and they just won't be quiet early in the morning, you may want to move away from them for a couple of years. <laughs> or you may have to make other adjustments about when to pray. Use your imagination. Get creative. Get up early. Do it at nap time. Most days I'll have a time of morning prayer at my desk in my office. Or when I get up in the morning at a table at home. And this is a remarkable invitation from our passage in Hebrews. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Those six little words here teach us much how to pray. We approach God's throne, the text says. Now, who's sitting on God's throne? This is not a trick question. (laughs) It's kind of like, who's in Grant's tomb, right? So, who's sitting on God's throne? God is, right? That would be God. That means I don't start by thinking about my problems. I start by thinking about God's power. God is on the throne. God is controlling the world. God is able He is able to deliver David from Goliath. He's able to deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He's able to give a child to a 90-year-old Sarah. He's able to calm the storms. He's able to part the seas. He's able to walk on the water. He's able to judge the nations in righteousness. He's able to harden the heart of Pharaoh and soften the heart of Saul. He is more than able to give more than all we can ask or imagine according to the glorious riches in Jesus Christ. You see, prayer is not positive thinking. Prayer is not whispering gentle wishes into the night. We approach a throne, and there is somebody on that throne, and that somebody is God, and our God is able. And we approach God's throne 
And of course, the throne is the image of power and sovereignty. But our text says the throne has a name. This is amazing. It's not a throne of performance. It's not a throne around which people of wealth and importance network. It is not even the throne for spiritual giants. It is a throne of grace. It is a throne for misfits and mess-ups and the needy and the desperate and the unclean and the sinful and the losers and the failures and those left behind. And who sits on a throne and wants to hang out with that crowd? Well, that's our God. And that's why when we come together, we have to come out of our hiding, out of our darkness, into the light, just the way we are, the warts, the sins, and all. And not just that, but we come to God's throne of grace in confidence. Not in fear, not in anxiety, not in inadequacy, not in uncertainty, but in confidence. The reason for our confidence has nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with our performance, not even our spiritual performance, not our achievements, our attainments, not our gifts. We have confidence because we have a high priest, and his name is Jesus. And every morning, I remember when I wake up, when I have no business approaching this throne, and when I was separated from God through my sin and my guilt, Jesus became my great high priest, offering his life as a sacrifice on a blood-stained cross so that I, sinful man that I am, can come boldly into the presence of God and receive help. Prayer is coming to God's throne of grace in confidence to invite Jesus into my day. And so I look at the people I'm going to meet and the challenges I'm going to face and the problems I have not solved and the questions I don't have answered and I ask, God, give me the wisdom to know your will and the power to carry it out. God, I can't. You can. And I ask God, just for today, give us this day our daily bread which means I have to let go of my demands to know about all tomorrow because that's not where my security lies. It lies with God. So give me manna. Give me my daily bread for this moment. And then I don't just talk. I listen. You know, Psalm 46.10, one of my favorite verses. This is a verse my mother recites often. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. You know, I allow thoughts to come into my mind which may be from God. Now, you might find it hard to believe in a God who speaks, or you may believe God uh, could speak, but he'd never do that with somebody like you. But the Bible is full of people God speaks to. And many of them are not particularly spiritually impressive. God spoke to Cain, and he killed his brother. God spoke to Moses, and he was a murderer and a fugitive. 
God spoke to Abraham, and he was a liar. God spoke to David, and he was an adulterer. God spoke to Solomon, and he was a polygamist. God spoke to Jonah, and he was a runaway. God spoke to Thomas, and he was a doubter. God spoke to Peter, and he was a denier. God spoke to Lazarus. He was dead. God spoke to a donkey whose name we don't even know. So why do you think God could not speak to you? You know, I read a woman uh, about a woman who had a child who was a problem kid. And she knew he was a problem kid, and she kept praying, God, change that kid. Has anybody here ever prayed a prayer like that? God, change that kid. But that kid didn't change. And one day, a word came to her, and that was, become a student of your child. I made him, so you discover the special brilliance I placed inside that child. And she spent the next two years looking for and discovering what she called the native genius of her son, and it transformed their relationship. Guess who it turned out the problems with? That's what I find in prayer. Remember, prayer is not give me this, change her, prevent that, produce those. It is God, give me the knowledge of your will and the power to carry it out. You know, in the morning, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I can't, you can and then all through the day, take little breaks to pray. When you're in the car or when you're in the store, pray for God's will in your conversation with people you talk to. Take little prayer breaks at work. If you're wondering if that's legal in our society, remember you've already taken breaks to look at Facebook. So just use that time to pray and ask for God's help. Pray when you email. Pray when you leave your work. Pray when you're anxious. Pray when you're confused. Pray when you're angry. Wake up with pray. Pray as you go through your day. And then I'd recommend end the day with prayer. It's a great way to end the day. Again, it doesn't have to be long. The psalmist in Psalm 119.55, In the night, Lord, I remember your name. In the night, I remember your name. One of my favorite prayers. It's the best way I know to end the day. Just hand everything over to God. And sleep well. Be ready for a wonderful morning. You know, I want to give you one last word. I think in our day, probably the biggest barrier to prayer is just our sheer sense of self-sufficiency, our illusion that we're in control of everything, that I'm the captain of my ship, I'm the master of my fate. There was a gentleman who worked in government. He was in Washington for some years and was just struck by, in that place, this struggle of power and ego and control. And he was talking to his boss about this, and his boss gave him a picture he had him come over to the window and look out 
the Potomac River, and he said, imagine a log floating down that river. And my friend did, and he said, imagine that that log has 200,000 ants on it. And my friend said, well, that's a big log. My friend said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine every one of those 200,000 ants floating on that log. Think they're steering the log. He goes, that's what Washington, D.C. is like. That's what it's like. Well, guess where else is like that? You don't have to go to Washington, D.C., We're a lot like that too. So God, I can't. You can. We're not steering the log. I need God. You need God. He's just a prayer away. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your great love for us. God, thank you that you have created the means by which we can be in relationship with you. You created us in your image. You created us to be relational beings, to have a connection with you. And even though we we gunk that up sometimes with our sin and our goofiness, And yet you continually strive to want to be with us, to know us, to talk with us, even to the point of sending your own son to this earth to live amongst us, to show us how to live life, how to actually live a life of prayer. And then go to the cross, taking upon him our sins and our shame, and dying in our place that we can be free from Satan and sin and are from our own selfishness. And now we can approach you with confidence. God, we thank you for being the God who hears, the God who listens. God, help us to pray. Help us to listen. And help us to have the courage to follow your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.